0: Welcome back to the Live and Ever Now podcast. My name is Will. And my name is uh, Jake. And this is episode 50, the final episode in season one of the Live and Ever Now podcast. We did it. 50 episodes. That's it. (laughs) Yeah. I I honestly can't believe we've done 50. I know, right? That's kind of crazy. Hey, good job, man. Nice. Nice. Hey, nice. Yeah. And on this episode, we are going to conclude what we started last episode, and we are going to go through a list of our favorite or most recommended or most influential fiction books that we have read. Yes. So I will kick us off with the first one I have on my list here. All right. Go for it. You ready? (laughs) Yeah. Okay. I'm going to go for it. Uh, American Psycho by Brent Easton Ellis. Oh, sick. Uh, It's a super weird book. Super violent, super graphic, super nasty. Um, And I hated it when I was reading it. Really? Because there kind of is not really a plot. It's just a weird story about a weird guy who does a lot of really terrible things. Mm -hmm. But it kind of stuck with me because of the writing style. Um, And by the end of the book, you kind of realize that the author is making fun of you. Um, and that's why the book is called The American Psycho, because he's just taken a big, fat dump on the American way of life, the American dream, um, all of the delusions we hold in our brain. Wow. Um, is and- it written by a foreign person? No. It's written by an American? Yeah, some dude from L.A. Oh, cool. Yeah. And, yeah, his whole thing is weird. It's a weird book. Um, it's through the lens of a serial killer. Who kills a lot of people? Yeah. The movie's really good too. Uh it has Christian Bale as the main character. And he's always fucking awesome. I haven't seen the movie. It's pretty good. I have read the book, so So it's pretty good for somebody that hasn't read the book. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. But cool. I would I'm gonna check it out just because of the writing style. I'm interested. Yeah, it I the way I would sum the book up is he's he like catches you on the on a with a hook Mm -hmm. by making you believe something that you already believe. And like he makes it really cool to be like a rich guy or a guy who has a platinum American Express card. Mm -hmm. And by the end of the book you realize that your thought process the entire time you were reading that was the same process as the serial killer. Right. And he by the end of the book you realize like, oh it's actually not cool at all to have an American Express platinum card. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Okay. That's cool. Yeah. It's it's interesting. But cool. It's kinda hard to get through. Like it's it's an aggressive book with not a ton of story. It's just a dude killing people. Interesting. Yeah. It felt like the movie had a little bit more story to it, but for a movie probably, yeah, you gotta do something. <laughs> <laughs> it can't just be a dude killing and raping girls for, you know, three hours. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Cool. Thanks for the rec- thanks, man. You're welcome, brother. Um, let's see. Oh, okay. Can we just get the Alchemist off the table? Like it's a good, it's a good book. Like read it, whatever. Cool. I wasn't gonna say it. Yeah. Okay. I mean You don't have I, to say it I've either. F- <laughs> 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 no one's begging you to say the Alchemist. bro. if you don't like it, don't, don't say it. No, I like it. It's just just it's like Sapiens. Like everybody's gonna say Sapiens. Like everybody go read Sapiens. Everybody gonna say four hour work week. You know. Yeah. Okay. The only reason I read The Alchemist was because my first girlfriend got the book for me. My mom or somebody made me like recommended it to me. And it was cool at the time. It's a lot of like the dream chasing th- the deal in mm-hmm. my mind. Anyway, I want to talk about <laughs> Okay. I want to talk about Dune. Dune. Don't read the series. <laughs> but okay. read the first book. It's one of the best books I've ever read. The first book. Oh, you didn't like it that much, right? I listened to the audiobook, so I, I mean, okay. I maybe didn't get the whole experience. The um, the book, this fucking monstrosity of a book. If I could pull it out, it's so big. <laughs> it's like I I got like this short version, so it's mm, like nine hundred pages, and I mean short uh, from a form factor perspective, much like this American Gods, like Neil Gaiman book. It's like that. It looks the same. So it's just annoying to like actually flip through this. But but um, just a super awesome story. I'm so excited for the movie to come out this October on HBO Max. <laughs> <laughs> that wink was for you to send me your passcode and log in. <laughs> I thought you were doing an advertisement for HBO Max. Oh, oh. On HBO Max. Oh, yeah. Maybe we are sponsored. (laughs) Suckers. Um, But yeah, Dune's a really cool story about intergalactic war, um, like the nuance to ruling. And this is a story about a young prince or basically he's like a duke. What is the son of a duke? He's the son of a duke. Um, in this grand empiric, uh, like trans galaxy empire. And he, he, basically the Duke's job is to rule one planet and they were on this really pretty planet and they get moved to this fucking dirt dump called Dune. Well, it's not called Dune. It's called something else. Arrakis or something. I forget. But, um... They call the locals called Dune, and the story just unfolds from there. It's so sick, and basically follows uh, young Paul and his rise to power. You know the betrayals, the love, like all of it. It's really good. And war, it's super cool. Yeah, it is cool, but now is probably a good time to ask why you read fiction. Do you read it? Oh, just because it's entertaining. Oh, I guess we should have done like a high level on the nonfiction too. But yeah, um, and people know why they should read nonfiction. Yeah. So I was for a long time, I think this is actually important. I was for a long time like a super against fiction. And that was after I grew up loving fiction. I grew up loving fiction, like reading all the Harry Potters, all the Twilights at me. Like, I'll fuck you up. Um, (laughs) No no one said anything, bro. (laughs) All the Twilights. um, Just kind of enamored with fiction. Aragons, the Percy Jackson series I liked for a long time. All the Rick Warren stuff. I think at a certain point I got, I wasn't getting the same value out of fiction, and it was I was not reading the right fiction. Is the problem I think, and I realized relatively recently, within like the last two years, that fiction was actually really valuable, and it's because of the lessons one you can take from fiction that nonfiction doesn't always do a great job of painting. Also, there's Nuance to life that's a little bit more artistic that's captured through fiction that isn't, it's actually rarely captured to, through nonfiction, in my opinion. And those are, those are, those take shape in the form of lessons and uh morals and all kinds of things. Like, there's a reason there's uh parables in, in explanation and not necessarily like a really um cut and dry metaphor sometimes, and then. I think that's the case. And then from an artistic perspective, I think it's really inspiring to read fiction. Like I, I don't steal things, but I'm I like certain things from different, different stories and I think about those in and in, in crafting my own stories and and basically I'm studying how to storytell in a lot of the fiction. So I get that third sort of motive from it as well or or uh benefit from it. What about you? I would say the same thing. Yeah, you can Learn more about being a human from fiction than nonfiction yeah. a lot of the time. Yeah, it just it just feels like nonfiction only hits one part of it or 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 the specific part that you're reading about, but mm-hmm. but fiction can kind of fill in the hole. Yeah, for me, fiction is like learning about emotions mm-hmm. because you can learn from the story, and in a lot of ways, I think. The fact that the story isn't real makes it more powerful, because you, a story that happens in real life is not going to be as perfect and crafted uh, in terms of like the lessons and takeaways. Right, right, right. So, uh, like I, I really respect like historical uh, nonfiction and like memoirs and stuff, but I don't think they do as good of a job as just a straight up made up story most of the time at. Demonstrating to ourselves those things that we already know, um, yeah, yeah, like if someone in you know those hero's journey dies or whatever, it's like sad, you know right, or or they're going through something like it's stuff we can relate to, right, yeah, it's important mm-hmm. it's important to read fiction, the older I get, I feel and and uh okay. <laughs> it's just, I thought I, I thought I just, uh, paused the podcast once again um, yeah it's just important I think that it, like we're both kind of getting at that it's you don't get it all reading one or the other and the divisiveness like whether that's made up or not like there shouldn't be any uh, divisiveness you need both mm-hmm. you need both nonfiction and fiction to have a well-rounded understanding of life mm-hmm. and live the yeah. best life that you want to live as I've gotten older, I've definitely noticed myself uh, being drawn more towards older books. Totally. Like when I was a kid, I was, same thing, like Percy Jackson, right? like young adult novels. Right. Um, but I'm curious to see where I end up going. And, you know, in 10 years, am I just straight up reading nothing but Shakespeare? Right. I yeah. Mean, and probably, honestly. Yeah, no, I feel you, dude, because... That that inspired me to read Dune in the first place. Dune was written in 1957. Our Lindy conversation inspires a lot of things mm-hmm. I ch- I pick. Now, the other thing, too, is I have some books in here that are new that I'm trying to give a shot to see how long they last, but mm-hmm. I liked for their own, even if it's just entertainment, I liked. Mm-hmm. And so... Yeah, f- and that's a whole other thing is I feel like maybe this is just because of the, the Lindy conversation, but that... There's two kinds of fiction. There's like the super deep metaphysical. This is a lesson disguised as a story. Yeah, it's like literature. Yeah, and then there's like something more along the lines of Dune, which is written primarily for entertainment. Right. Right. And it but it's also just feels like there's lessons in there somehow. There, there's always lessons in it. Yeah. 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 But You're like Percy Jackson's, the the lessons are probably. <laughs> If we read Percy Jackson right now, I don't think we would see the lessons because we're adults. The lessons are for kids. Yeah. And as you get older, I think that's why you're drawn to the more literary, whatever, books because the lessons are more nuanced and they speak to the parts of the human experience that a kid wouldn't understand or care about. Right, right. Your turn, sir. Right. Here I go. (laughs) Um, I'm okay. Let's see. Okay, favorite fiction book of all time, uh, Frankenstein. Marie Shelley? Mary Shelley, yeah. Read it in, I was actually an an assigned book in college. And then I had to write an essay on it. And it was, I think, the best essay I've ever written. Uh, And it was really cool. And I think it's such a beautiful story. And I've never told anybody this, but um, I've read the book a few times. But the last time I read it, I didn't read it. I listened to it on, on an audiobook, and I had just listened to a Joe Rogan podcast where he was interviewing somebody and was talking about how Hunter S. Thompson got good at writing by copying famous writers who he liked. Yeah. So he read The Great Gatsby and then copied word for word by hand The Great Gatsby, like just wrote it down. Um, so I was like, you know what? That's a great idea. I'm going to transcribe Frankenstein by hand. Got like four pages in. I was like, okay, this is the dumbest thing I've ever done. <laughs> uh, and then stopped that promptly because I was like, this book is way too long and I love it, but like, why am I doing this? I don't, I'm not, I'm not trying to be a novelist. <laughs> Dude, that's so funny. What am I fucking <laughs> doing here? That yeah, was stupid. But yeah, I, I do actually love that book. It's that's kind of cool. cliche to say, but no, that's cool. I've never read it, and I know it's like on the list of great literary literary feats, um, like like from a classroom type deal. Because like I think that's a really great place to start. Like your Huckleberry fans, your um, what what uh, Faulkner, your uh, Bradberries, your like all kinds of people, uh, F. Scott Fitzgerald. Like I think it fits in that list, um, but I don't really know the story other than the obvious interpretations of it. Mm-hmm. What did you get from the book that was super special to you that makes it your favorite of all time? Dune's my favorite, I think, by the way. Okay. Um, I liked it. Because the lessons are are pretty clear. Like, okay. She kind of hits it right on the nose. She doesn't, it, it's a, it's a story, but it's about shame at the end of the day. Like, Hmm. You you do something and then you're really really ashamed about it and then that shame possesses you and makes you do more bad things, um, mm. and the bad guy in the book is not the monster obviously it's the guy who made the monster right um, yeah and the way it's written is just so beautiful it was really inspiring like to read someone who has such a control over the English language that like I couldn't even fathom being able to put sentences together the way right, she does. Right. And she wrote it when she was 18. That's crazy. In a time when, like, women were not predominantly famous writers. How cool. Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah, she, Mary Shelley's awesome. Cool. And she wrote it as a bet, too. It was, like, a really bad winter, and, like, her and her friends were sitting around trying to tell each other, uh, tell each other scary stories, so she went and wrote the most famous novel of all time. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. She's a genius, but... Damn. Yeah. Really cool. Your turn. I, <laughs> sometimes my filter turns on and I'm like, "Thank you for working that one time." <laughs> Jake's filter. No, um, I want to know. You can't you can't tease us like that. No, I'm good. <laughs> um okay, so I don't uh let's see. Okay, so this is recent and I, this is why I gifted it to you. Did you did you get to it yet? Nope. Okay. I haven't got to Breath Becomes Air, so uh, touche, <laughs> uh, the Red Rising series really fucking good. Shit, who's that by Paul Pierce Brown? Pierce Brown, yeah, here you in, go. Uh, this is what the cover looks like if you need it. <laughs> did they come out recently? How, how recently? Okay, so books? pretty recently, like 2014, I think, was his first book, and then the most recent one came out in 2020, I think, which is, I think, there's six in the series and three in these, this original trilogy. Really good shit. It's very, like, I would I would put it up there with, like, Suzanne Collins' Hunger Games type reach. Um, there's another book series called Legend that was similar to the Suzanne Collins stuff that was really good. It was similar. This is just, it's just, like, an older version of that. Like Like, older people are allowed to read it. And there's a lot of like killing and a lot of like the, um, like, I don't know how to call, um, what, what am I trying to say? The formality and nuance in, in, in politics and leading that I was trying to allude to in Duke, I mean, in Dune. Um, what is that? Like, what am I trying to say? I have no idea what you're trying to say. I don't know. It's just like there's there's things you do when you're a politician for the for uh the people and there's things you do for power and there's things you do for for certain reasons. It's just like kind of revealing like lifting up the curtain on those things and caste systems in society and it's just a really cool fucking story. Uh, also interplanetary and it has this like there's there's a society and there there's a complete caste system because this race called the Golds completely took over, uh, several hundred years ago at this point. And the main character, Darrow, he is a red and reds are the lowest on the totem pole. They're basically the modern day slaves in this like gold society. Um, there's all colors, there's, uh, obsidians and Browns and purples and, and, uh, pinks and reds. Uh, blues, grays, all, and they all have their different roles. Like grays are police officers and browns are your accountants and your lawyers and, and violets are your artists and performers and things like that. And so everybody has a function. Reds are basically the labor pool for like terraforming Mars, for example. So they all, like Darrow, for example, has never been above the surface of Mars. And he doesn't even realize that Mars is a developed planet. And he's sitting in the, him and all of his people are sitting starving and in, in the bunkers of Mars. And they're like diggers. So they are terraforming Mars for the, for goals to come to and the rest of society. And the rhetoric they're fed is that they are the pioneers of Mars, um, like making it safe for people to come to it. But really, they're just slaves. And his wife, um, breaks like basically breaks into a, a observation deck with him through like an air duct and they break out onto the surface of Mars and it's a garden and they see the night sky and everything and they see cities and everything and they're and he's like my whole life has been a lie and she goes on to um, like basically martyr herself and then his story just starts and, and the gist is that he becomes a gold through... Like a whole year of carving is what they call in that society. Like a surgeon, and he fights back, and it's just a whole cool arc because he goes from the bottom, and that's why it's called Red Rising. Cause Wait, why he, did he get to the top? Why did he become a gold? Yeah, through 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 like a terrorist group, they like funded it and everything, called like the Sons of Ares. Okay, they, So they like champion social mobility. They or- they championed him. No, they literally like made him into a gold. They they literally like surgically made him into a gold. Like they broke out his legs, filled them with the gold substance, like titanium or whatever their legs are. Gave him six fingers, like gave him the sigils that are on golds. Gave him golden pupils and gold hair, like all kinds of stuff. Damn. Yeah, they actually like. There's like a whole section that talks about how they like rewired his frontal lobe with all. Like his brain was literally smaller as a red. They had to <laughs> reengineer engineer his brain, that's so weird, I know, huh, it's really fucking cool. It's a really cool story, huh, and yeah. then the first book is basically about what I just described. don't it, spoil it yeah yeah no no i didn't I didn't spoil much. I mean the fact that his wife's a martyr that's that sucks, but uh sorry <laughs> but but I wanted to get you enticed the the story is just it it just starts there, and it's so good, cool, yeah. Uh, highly recommend. Anyway. Yeah, that is a great segue into a very similar book, but written earlier, which you're wearing a shirt for. I hate to steal it from you, but I got there first. Uh, Brave New World by Aldous Huxley. Weirdly, almost the same like societal structure. There's like the Alpha, Beta, yeah, Delta, Gamma. Yeah, like, yeah. Class society. What a good book. What a good fucking yeah, book. it was a really good That's book. That's a good fucking book. And I think the reason I like it is because I feel like it's the most accurate description of a dystopia that might actually come to be. Like, it's not going to be overlords coming and enslaving us. We're going to enslave ourselves by basically being unhappy until we drug ourselves into slavery. Mm -hmm. And some people are going to be rich when that starts happening so they're going to end up rich when it's over yeah Um, and just the end of the book is so scary because I don't want to spoil it but they kind of explain why their society is set up the way it is and then they justify it in a way that almost makes you you know question is being drugged into slavery better for most people yeah I don't really know yeah and is that happening right now? The, the like, scariest part is it is happening, but not because there's evil people doing it. Right, it's right, happening right. because we're doing it to ourselves. Right, and that's what the book is about. Is it, it, there doesn't have to be an evil plot for things to get really, really bad. We do evil all on our own. And and it was it's it's really like probably just a reflection of um, Aldous Huxley's writing prowess. Or maybe luck that the generations that read this before us probably felt the same way. Mm-hmm. That like I I don't know if it's 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 if it's true that we've gotten worse per se, but they probably felt like this is still applicable. This is still true. Like we're still drugging ourselves into this place, mm-hmm. which is interesting. Yeah. yeah, that's fucked up. But yeah, yeah, that's all I have to say about brave new world yeah i think that they think george orwell's 1984 is a really good one to read like afterward it's a little bit deeper like and not as fun to read (laughs) to be completely honest Mm -hmm. um but interesting i think it's also a little bit more like communist charged like they're trying to like not they're trying to say communism is bad in the book um or socialist and stuff is bad. So it felt like a little bit more political. Um, but I, I do want to like runner up Fahrenheit 451 because it's, it's also very uh, similar in that it's a dystopian world that feels believable. And if you guys don't know the story, it's a premise where, um, basically everything comes from televisions and, and earbuds and, and information comes instantly. And, uh, the family is is somebody that you don't even interact with in person. It's somebody you communicate with over video messaging and people online and they're your sister and your brother and they're, they're not people that you actually have kinship with. And the firefighters of society, which the main character is part of, burn books as their main job. And that is like, it's crazy. It's just a crazy world to imagine, especially as we sit here talking about books. Um, but the point is, is that, uh i don't I don't really know <laughs> I don't really know that's why it's like a runner up because i think I think the ending's kind of weak, and I think the takeaways are kind of weak, but obviously like uh, thinking for oneself is really important I think being conscious of the the escapism of our own escapism is important as well and and I guess moderating that mm-hmm. i don't I don't know yeah. But that was a, that's a good runner-up to follow off of that one. Um, I wanted to say Sid Hartha because uh, I feel like that's a really good just message about happiness in general. I think the point is is that you find it where you're at and not necessarily going to great lengths to understand it or achieve it. But... It's almost like this sick cycle that we all go through that we don't take the advice we're given. We have to experience all the searching and and pain and all of the pleasure and all this stuff to realize that it was always right there next to us. So cool book. Mm -hmm. I would recommend it. And I think it's another one of those ones that you reread every few years yeah I should reread that it's been a while since I have yeah and it's a such a short book right yeah it's like a hundred pages yeah really yeah really good for some reason it took me so long to just get through I think I read like half of it and then put it down for a year and then had to go back and start from the beginning and then read it again that's basically what I did I wasn't like a year but it was like probably like three or four months mm-hmm. and then I read back a couple chapters and then I was like okay I understand where I'm at Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm trying to look over here to see if there's anything else I want to bring up. I'll bring up A uh, Hundred Years of Solitude. Oh, I haven't read that. It's a, kind of a long book, and the writing style, again, is is kind of interesting. It, I think, is the only book we've talked about so far that is not originally written in English. Mm. It was originally written in Spanish. Um, but the translation I really enjoyed. Um, and it's, it's about circularity and the cycles of life, pretty much. Cool. And weird families doing weird things, and how your weird, fucked up childhood environment makes you a weird, fucked up adult who then has fucked up kids. Mm. That's basically the premise. <laughs> but it's really interesting how and true. kind of like mystical. Cool. Yeah, I enjoyed it a lot. Cool. You know what I'm kind of not happy that I haven't gotten through yet? Is the uh, Count of Monte Cristo. Because I was enjoying that when I was reading that. But I think I'm just going to restart that pretty soon here. Because it was a great read while I was reading it. And I know a bunch of people like just revel in it. Is that by the same guy who wrote The Three Musketeers? Yeah, Dumas. Okay. Yeah. It was also Spanish, right? Or Italian? French, I think. Oh, Dumas. oh really? Yeah. Oh, that's lame. My bad. Lame. I I am pulling that out of my ass, but I'm pretty sure he was in a. Uh, he was an African American French dude. Really? Well, he He, was he Afri- definitely was black, but I was joking about calling him an African American. <laughs> He's an African Frenchman. Oh yeah, that wasn't a funny joke. I tried. <laughs> an African American Frenchman. Was that the your like filter didn't work? No, I, I said that on purpose. I oh, thought okay. about it. And I, I asked myself, should I say this? And then I said, yes. Okay. Nice. So it was just bad judgment. Okay, nice. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I think I remember that story. You're probably thinking of the of the part of the movie Django Unchained where the, the weird doctor guy is teasing the plantation owner. He says his favorite author is Dumas and he doesn't realize that Dumas is a black guy. Oh. So he's like making fun of him. Oh, of like about how a racist person doesn't know that black people are capable of creating good art. Oh, wow. <laughs> Sorry. Did I nail it on the head? Was that it? Thank you, bro. Was that it? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Django Unchained movie for the win. Yeah, that's such a fantastic movie. We should do our favorite movies next episode. <laughs> oh, okay. We just have a <laughs> list of favorite things. Our favorite sock brands. Oh, smart wool. I don't have any favorite Sock Browns. Haynes. Fruit my, of the Loom. Yeah. Honestly, my fiction game over here is kind of weak. I, I want to say honorable mention too, Old Man in the Sea, just because I think it's about uh, failure and about how life, you don't always get what you want, and that's an important lesson. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really pretty, the way it's written, and it's sad, and it, but it's really short, and... Yeah, life goes on. Mm-hmm. It's okay. Do you have a favorite book from when you were a kid? If you had to pick one, that's what I actually was made to read as a kid. Um, so that's what I mean. Yeah, that's what. That's, Old Man and the Sea is your favorite book as from a kid. Yeah, that's like the book that I would read and then like reread and reread and reread and reread. Weird. I know. <laughs> I know that. <laughs> I know weird. I mean, maybe it's not weird. I've never read it. Maybe it's a great book. It's okay. It's good. It's definitely good. Uh, other than that, more lighthearted stuff. Uh, oh, I didn't even touch on manga. I love manga. Manga. But that's complete, almost completely escapism and a little bit of the artist inspiration thing mm-hmm. and storytelling. The stories in manga are some of the best. Period. I've never looked into it, but I believe you. Yeah. that's the. Re- I mean, that's why I'm still around. That's why you haven't killed yourself yet? <laughs> no, that's why I still, no, that's why I still read manga. Okay. <laughs> like at my age, because it's that good. Cool. I'm really old. We're both really old. No, uh, no we're not. 23, dude. That's not really old. Who do you want to be? I don't want to be anybody. <laughs> but I would like to recommend the book Ender's Game. Oh, fire. I think that was probably my favorite book as a kid. Nice. And probably one of the only books I reread as a kid. I didn't reread a lot of books when I was younger. Yeah. But I, the, honestly, the reason I reread it, because I didn't understand it the first time. Oh, really? Yeah. I've only seen the movie of that one. Oh, it's a great book. Okay, I'll check it out. Yeah. is it? Would it still be good to me now? I think y- you would read it in the same way that you read Dune. Oh, okay. Like... You, you you would get more out of the story now than you did as a kid, but it'd be entertaining either way. Okay, cool. I really loved the Harry Potters, as basic as that is. Mm-hmm. Those are really good books. I never read them. I haven't seen the movies either, which I feel kind of bad about. It's like a, such an important part of culture. Pop, pop it feels culture, like. yeah. yeah. Have you seen Twilights? Nope. Have you seen Hunger Games? I read the books. Oh, nice. And I... Saw the first one, I think. They they have like three of them, right? Four. Movie? Okay, yeah, I didn't see all four. There's three books. They obviously pull the last movie into two books, for I mean, last book mm-hmm. into two movies for monetization's yeah. sake. Yeah, the Hunger Games were pretty good. They were kind of fun. They were really good.
1: They were do fun do for do the do moment.
0: Do do. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of anything else. I was trying to I was trying to prep for this and I I came up with what I came up with but I don't I don't know if I want to recommend anything else. William Faulkner. Can, like I hated reading William Faulkner in literary like uh lit What was that class? Yeah, lit. Lit. <laughs> yeah, I tried but then I just spark noted it all. Yeah, William Faulkner is like reading a schizophrenic yeah, but it, it's probably one that we just hated it because we were assigned to read it. If we went back and reread, re-read it now, it'd probably be great. I'll, maybe I'll try it. <gasps> but like Moby Dick, I actually genuinely liked that book. I, liked, I genuinely liked it. I yeah. definitely read it less because I was made to. But like I, great I, Gatsby's also genuinely a good oh, book. Oh, Great Gatsby's Fire. I was just going to say Cormac McCarthy, uh, All the Pretty Horses. That was one of my favorite books I've ever read. And I don't know its lesson. I just thought it was cool. It's like a badass book. I didn't think it was badass at all. It was a dude with a horse who got laid. I'm a I'm a I'm a poetic uh romantic. They're like, oh, a sunsets in the desert. And yeah. And she like, had long brown hair flowing. Yeah. And the in the she was bathing in the river. I joined her. <laughs> <laughs> and then he like gets stabbed in a Mexican prison. Come on. Come on. Yeah, what's not the love? Back and forth over the border? He's got to he's got to dodge the the ranch owner because that's he's piping her daughter, he's piping his daughter. Come on. I I guess yeah <laughs> I guess I just didn't relate to the cowboy life. Oh yeah, I I definitely related to Ender Game though because I feel like in my heart of hearts I'm, you know, a, a nine year old intergalactic warrior. I feel that way about all the like, like like all the legion, and, like, politic. Nuance stuff I keep trying to describe. Like you're the dude in charge of the world, pulling the strings, well, making I, things evil. Yeah, I just think it's like well, not necessarily evil or good. Just putting myself in that situation feels relatable for some for some reason. And all those instances, I gravitate to those stories for sure. Cool. <laughs> yeah, that was all the books on my list. I <laughs> I, I also had 1984 on there, um, which is cool but i like brave new world better. Did you feel like what i was saying was true about the propaganda aspect of it? Well, 1984 was like written way prior to the Cold War. Yeah. So it was kind of predicting it more than it was a response to it. That's true. Um like i do think that that he had some interesting takes on language and like the suppression of language and censorship and how you can only think the thoughts with the words that you have. And if you take away your words, you take away your thoughts. Right. I don't know how like actionable that actually is. Right. And I don't think it's possible for governments to actually censor people's languages enough to make them stupid because mm-hmm. we just invent new words and keep having conversations. Maybe it's possible and it's happening right now and I just don't know about it, but I'm not as worried about that part and I'm not worried about a central government taking over the world and controlling all of our brains with giant buildings and Big Brother. Yeah, like TV. I mean, I guess the surveillance state is inevitable at some point because of it's technology. It's definitely coming, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's like already happening in China. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about it me either cuz I know the US is not far behind. Mhm. Like it's fucked up that like the government can see where we are at any time right. from our phone data and that adver- advertisements can you know sell our data for money, but I don't think the real danger is in someone doing it on purpose. I think the real danger is every time we sign up for a new website and there's the 30 page long terms of service, we just click okay. Right. Because we're actually getting exactly what we want. We don't actually care about being secure and private. Right. Or else we wouldn't have a Facebook and Google and cell phones. Right. We're doing it to ourselves. Yep. And that gives me a little bit more hope because if there are nefarious people, they can only hurt us as much as we're letting them. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that that's not the dystopia I'm most worried about. But it's an interesting story and really cool. Yeah, it is. It's good.
1: It's, it's, it's such a
0: depressing ending. Yeah, right? Yeah. I definitely think everybody should read it. Mm-hmm. Def- that's, that's definitely the case. Uh, should I don't know if everybody should read it, but Huckleberry Finn. I never read Huckleberry Finn. It's like pretty good. It's like a boy story with some racist comments. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. I'm trying to think what else is on that list. Oh, Lord of the Flies is really good. I read that as a kid a bunch. Um. I, I've i never read it, but I have a bad taste in my mouth about it because I listened to a podcast a long, long time ago about people who were in similar situations to Lord of the Flies mm-hmm. and kind of comparing what happens to real groups of people when they get stranded yeah, versus what people think will happen and like, The fictionized version of it, people go crazy and start killing each other. Yeah. Whereas in real life, it almost always works out that people cooperate. I didn't, yeah, I guess I didn't read it with the idea that that's exactly how it's going to go down. Yeah. I I think if you read it as a story, great. I've never read it to be honest, but I feel like it's, it's easy to have a book like that, that makes you think people are inherently bad and yeah. if you don't if you take away all constraints of society we turn evil mm-hmm. when more likely it's the opposite mm-hmm. but uh, that's kind of getting at the fundamental question of philosophy is are people good or evil mm-hmm. naturally and does society or the cycle of life and death make us evil or is that what keeps us from destroying each other at all who knows probably a combination of both uh, yeah I think it's hard to decide. I think also it's pretty uh, marked generationally that the transition between a thought of if we're good or evil. I think over like if you would ask that a hundred years ago, they would have a specific response. And yes, that today more people are going to say a specific response. And the other books written quite a bit, I think like 1917 or 1920 or something. So I think it's like a different time Mm -hmm. is all I'm saying. Like, Do you think it goes... Kind of like I think, back and forth through generations? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh. I don't know if it's one way or the other. At least, at least, I mean, we haven't really been around that long talking about moral philosophies. Like we as a civilization? Yeah, like less than 2,000 years talking about moral philosophy. Well, 2,000 years is a pretty long time, right? I guess so. I mean, much longer than we've been alive, certainly. Than <laughs> you and I, Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Like I mean, Rousseau, yeah. was Like that was his whole thing: was people are good. Yeah. And but before that, like the the Greek philosophers were talking about this. People have been talking about this since the beginning of time. But don't people like go back and forth on it? And, I mean, I guess because we haven't come up with an answer, yes. But I'm not sure if it's tied to generations. I, like even within our own generation, mm-hmm. I don't think that there's like there's a any heavy correlation. Meaning. Oh okay. I I think if you asked people now, it's going to be just as divided as fifty years ago, and that's just as divided as fifty years before that. That's fair enough. I think it's I think it's like pretty speculatory of me to say anyway. Um, Wait, what do you think? Do you think people are good or people are bad? Um, are, you, are you Rousseau or are you Hobbes? I think our evolution speaks to self serving tendencies more than it speaks to tribe tendencies, and so whatever that means if if that's good or bad to you bad yeah that sounds like bad i think i think I think you have to be taught to be one way or the other though I don't think you lean hard one way or the other even with your evolution, and so I think uh, for the most part people are good Mm -hmm. like i don't think anybody's born bad i definitely don't believe that yeah well that's what the question is yeah i don't think anybody's born bad okay yeah i i I don't necessarily think they're born good though okay i don't think they're i think they're you're somewhere along that spectrum but i don't think you're necessarily good until you've learned how to be good Mm -hmm. so like kids are mean they're assholes Naturally, Mm -hmm. (laughs) because they just say things that are true to them or observational. Um, Yeah, I don't I don't think I don't think anybody's born good or bad. I don't know if anybody, but I think the vast majority of people are born uh, at least neutral. Neutral wasn't an option. (laughs) Okay, we'll give you that. What about you? I think people are born good. That's 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 beautiful. Yeah, I I definitely agree with with Rousseau on this one. I, I'm rooting for your opinion. hmm Yeah, I I think the idea of original sin is bizarre and weird and a mistake. Yeah. Yeah. Like we're we're born with this mark that has to be repented for. Like, on some level, it makes sense because we're all gonna mess up, and like, it it makes sense to have the humility of believing that you have to work right. towards being good. Right, right, right. But I, I think what turns us bad is the the cruft that happens to us, not it, it doesn't happen originally. I don't I don't have never heard the word cruft. Uh like just the shit that happens. Okay. You know, like unnecessary like the bloat of our of our world that Right. Is, like the adulteration. Of the pure. Yeah, I mean, yeah, sure. Pure, whole, I don't know. Yeah, I, I did think of one more book though, while we were talking. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a series of books, and I reread these a bunch too, specifically two stories from it, but uh, The Jungle Book by Rudyard Kipling. That has okay. to be one of my favorite stories. Uh, and the jungle book is one that I really enjoyed. And also my favorite was Ricky Tikki Tabby. Rikki Tikki Tabby. So good. Little Goose. I just like the name of it. Ricky Tikki Tabby. It, yeah. It's fun to say. Yeah. It's a great story. And the jungle book is a, a fun movie. The songs are great. Yeah. And Rudyard Kipling is a, um, badass, like ex, um, uh, British special forces living in Bombay or Bombay. Sorry. Um, I like completed uh, Bombay and Mumbai, Um, but living in Bombay uh, and then writing, writing all these stories after like being retired from the army Mm -hmm. or whatever. (laughs) After the British colonization. There was like a lot of soldiers turned literarians. I realize. Okay. Throughout history. Do you think there's a connection there? I think it's more of a connection that like there was war and you had to be in the war Mm -hmm. than anything. Who else are you thinking of? I think uh, Lord of the Flies was... Who who wrote Lord of the Flies? I don't know. I've never read Lord of the Flies. Lord of the Flies by... uh, I can't think, but I think the author of Lord of the Flies also was a... Um, ex-soldier. I think William Faulkner was actually an ex-soldier, like Civil War era kind of thing. I think so. I don't even know anything about William Faulkner. Yeah, I think there's a lot of. I, I don't more, even know when he lived, honestly. Or Mark Twain, one of the two. I don't know. Isn't Mark Twain not his real name? I'm sh- I'm We're shooting gonna- in the dark a little bit on some of these, mm-hmm. but I know Rudyard Kipling was, and I know there's a couple other like l- like classic literary novels that also have soldiers turn literarians. Hmm. Okay. Which is kind of interesting, which I don't know if that's a product of them being a soldier, which is my hunch because everybody was a soldier or if there was actually some sort of like richer life experience from killing people and like doing war. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Cool. I don't wish that on anybody. That sucks. I was thinking about that this week. I was feeling really grateful for our soldiers. Uh, Like, coincidentally, not related to the Taliban stuff at all. And then that happened. And I was like, damn. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm so thankful Mm -hmm. that I'm not there right now. Yeah. That's a fucked up part of the world. And nobody knows how to fix it. It's like really scary yeah oh yeah I w yeah, I wanna learn from you like your military planning and I wasn't in the military strategy <laughs> expertise. I don't have any expertise. Okay. Well I'm sure you've studied it at some point. I it, guess so, yeah. Yeah. In your free time. Um anyway. Uh where uh, can they find us on the internet? Was you have any more books? <laughs> I don't have any more books. Yeah, neither do I. Okay. liveineverynow.com. dot com twitter and instagram at living every now mm-hmm. and our discord community is how you're going to log into our site so get, join it <laughs> and well, once you log into our site <laughs> you can look at links to our podcast yes or all our social media yeah and in the future other things as well yeah cool thanks for doing this with me thanks for doing this with me as well jake thanks for being here bye bye everybody